Mark 9. Also read that in our English Bibles, verses 42 to 50. You notice that um, in the context here, uh, we're called to live as servants because Jesus is the servant of servants. So we don't look at rank and status because our rank and status is in Christ. We're here to serve him, one another. And then Jesus goes and talks about how if if we are involved in a sin, cut it off, right? Just as you would cut off a hand, cut off your sin. And, you know, by the grace of God, when we go in those ways, we become salty Christians, right? We, were, we become salty believers in Christ. And the world is in desperate need of salty Christians, the salty church. Salt gives flavor, but it also bites uh, because... Because it confronts evil, confronts decay at the same time. So that's our focus this afternoon is uh, verses 49 and 50. Um, 49 and 50. But we'll read beginning at verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones, you can say a, a fellow believer, who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter into life or into the kingdom of God with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire, where the worm does not die, and the fire is quenched. And this is our focus, verse 49 and 50. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. By the way, those words are missing in most versions. But it should be in the Bible. Right? There's those extra words. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. I'll read that again, verse 49. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace with one another. 49 and 50. I think we all know what salt is. We all have salt shakers on our tables, along with our pepper shakers. But what does salt do? I mean, salt has at least three different uses. You could probably think of more uses. But one of the uses of salt, one of the functions of salt is to bring out flavor, right? It enhances flavor. Uh, you put it on your food, your food doesn't taste bland. So yeah, it enhances flavor, it becomes tasty. Well, give me the salt, please. <laughs> the food is rather flat, I need to add some taste to it. That's one use of salt. The other use of salt is uh, a preservative, especially in the days when there were no refrigeration. And even today, sometimes you see it in markets where they'll have, let's say, raw fish or raw meat on the tables. And what's it covered in? Salt. And salt is 
placed on that on the meat, on the raw meat, so it doesn't decay and rot. It's a preservative. And there's another function of salt, and that is uh, it's kind of like a medicine. If there's a wound, what do you sometimes do? You put salt on it, and it cleanses it. It functions as a bit of an antiseptic. Right? It cleans it out. So those are different uses of salt. And you notice that it's that word. Uh, that, that phrase, or that word salt, is in the context of many passages in the Bible. It's in, the, in Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. I don't know if you ever noticed that. But also Jesus refers to salt in a number of places. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. Wow, what a privileged position that Christians have. Salt of the earth people. This is amazing. Right? You have that kind of function of salt in the earth. But and also Luke 14, verses 34 and 35, he talks about uh, being salt. He talks, uh, Paul, Apostle Paul refers to it in Colossians 4, verse 6, let your words be seasoned with salt. Um, but also in this passage, uh, Jesus mentions the word salt. By the way, this is the only place in the Gospels where you see this passage. So it's unique to Mark. And there is so much writing on this, and it's so little agreement. One of the uh, commentators from the 1800s, 1900s, 1800s, said, there are so many opinions and so many thoughts. He says, I have nothing to say because uh, I, I trust that the Lord will bring it to light in time. So um, it was a very difficult passage, and I trust and pray that... Um, that uh, our explanation of it in the light of Scripture, or application in the light of Scripture, becomes very clear. And uh, it's not to say that there can't be more light shed on, shed on this passage. I was tempted to skip it. Uh, I thought, no, I better not, because someone here might just ask, what does this passage mean then anyway? And I would have nothing to say. So, but the Lord gives us his word. And you notice that in verses 49 and 50, how many times Jesus uses the word salt that's why we entitled the sermon Salty Christians. Right? Those are the only true Christians that are out in the world. Salty Christians. Because Christians by nature, by definition, are salty. And Jesus here is talking to his disciples. And if you see the, the text again, for everyone will be seasoned with salt. Literally it says, everyone will be salted, sorry, Everyone will be seasoned with fire. Literally it says, for everyone will be salted with fire. And every sacrifice will be salted with salt. That's two times. Salt is good, three times. But if that salt, four times, loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt, five times, in yourselves, and have peace with one another. So important in light of everything that Jesus has been saying to his disciples and now, in light of his concluding talk with his disciples in the area of Galilee, because they're ready to move into Judea, Jesus makes this poignant point here. He calls believers to live as salt. Salty Christians, okay, what do they consist of? Being salty sacrifices, because you notice the word fire and sacrifice in verse 49. So it consists of being salty sacrifices, and the consistent verse 50 of being a salty flavor. Okay? So you can change that with your pen if you want, because I think that's a little bit more particular. Salty sacrifices, 
and salty flavor. This is wholly unique to the church, to the followers of Jesus Christ. Nobody else in the world can be called that because this is something that Christ has given as a status to Christians only, to the church and the world. So we're going to look, first of all, at salty sacrifices. You notice that uh, Jesus is talking with his disciples all along, especially the last chapter, beginning at verse 834, about the cost of following Jesus. It's easy to say, I believe in Jesus, but it's another thing to be real followers of Jesus. And this is the point that Jesus brings out here. Um, you need to be real followers of Jesus. Believing is easy to say, the mouth. But what about your life? Is it in accord with what Christ teaches? Right? And that's what Jesus is really bringing home to his disciples. They're ready to leave Galilee. They're ready to enter Judea. And where's Judea? It's south of Galilee. It's a district. And there is Jerusalem. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem to do what? To give his own life. That's a great cost. He, the perfect son of God, becoming man, he has gone to Jerusalem to give his, he's going to Jerusalem to give his own life for our sins and for the sins of his people. So for our sins and in the place of his people. What a tremendous love of God here shown. And Christ here is now making it really plain to his disciples. Twice he's announced that I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be risen from the dead. And it's all for your sakes. And now he concludes his talk with his disciples in this district of Galilee. In these strange-sounding words, he says, For everyone will be seasoned with fire. Every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. I think we need to say, understand everyone as believers here. Every believer will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. So he begins with a mixed metaphor. What's salted with fire? I mean, there's fire in one hand, a picture of fire, picture of salt. You mean every believer will be salted with fire? What's he saying here? Sounds so strange. Well, the context, of course, helps. And we brought that in a bit already. And I think we need to always, if we're not sure about the meaning of the passage, we should always look at the immediate context. That's always the most important thing. And then see it in light of all of Scripture. And that's what I've attempted to do here this morning. Notice that Jesus has just been talking about fire. The fire of hell. If your hand causes you to sin, on all seriousness, cut it off. Because if you don't, right, you'll go into hell with two hands or two Two, two feet or with two eyes. The whole point of Jesus here is cutting off sin. Do it immediately. Do it decisively. That's really, that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a believer in Jesus. Right? It's more than just words. It's action. 
Right? It's the action, of course, by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit at work in us, whom he gives when we pray and ask. But here Jesus is no longer talking about the fire of punishment. When he talks about salting with fire, he's not talking about the fire of punishment, but he's not he's addressing believers. He's talking about the salting with fire, that is, with refining or with purification. But we have a special word for that, biblical word, sanctification, where we grow more and more like Christ. Okay? In other words, Jesus is saying, by making these sacrifices, by cutting off sin in your life, by serving the lowly in the congregation, by doing these things, it's Christ by His Spirit who is refining you, purifying you, to be that sacrifice that He wants you to be, first of all, in the congregation, but also in the world. He has these words, every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. And in order to understand these words, we should go back to the Old Testament. Very, very important. Again, it goes to show the importance of reading Leviticus. Read it for your devotions. Really, really, really important. Because so much of the New Testament brings Leviticus into it. We might not be aware of it, but if you look at Leviticus 2 verse 13, God required salt to accompany all temple sacrifices, whether it was meal offerings or meat offerings, bowls, rams, lambs, birds. It was to accompany all sacrifices. Leviticus 2.13 says, With all your offerings, notice there, all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Salt had to be sprinkled on the sacrifices. And you notice what happened to, especially the burnt offerings, what happened to that? The burnt offerings, the burnt sacrifices of God's people for sin, whether bull, ram, or bird, were required to be totally consumed, all burned up, entirely burned up by fire in order to be acceptable to God. Right? That was for the sin of the people. The sin of the people was transferred on the animal. The entire animal was consumed by fire. And that was a way that showed that God accepted the sinner. Smoke rising from the consuming fire was a pleasing smell, a pleasing incense to the Lord. Salt was added to the sacrifice. It's called here the salt of the covenant. You look at Leviticus 2.13. It's called here the salt of the covenant, the salt that was added to the, to the burnt offerings. And there God is showing that I'm going to preserve my promise to you. I'm preserving, I'm keeping, I'm committed to my promises to you that I'm going to send Jesus, the only perfect sacrifice for sin. That was his promise. The salt showed that, that God is going to preserve his promise. He's going to keep his promise, maintain his promise. That was the seasoning. That was the salt, <laughs> the promise, the gospel promise. In Leviticus, can you imagine? The gospel in Leviticus. That was the salt that was there to encourage the people to look forward to the coming of the Christ. The sacrifices, totally consumed by fire, pointed or points to Jesus' own death for us and in our place. 
Christ who fulfilled all those promises. And there you see God's wrath being poured out upon his Son, our Savior, consuming him with the fires of his own wrath against our sin. Right? goes to show how terrible our sin is, eh? How offensive our sin is. It required a sacrifice no less than the one who is perfect God and perfect man. The one who had to have the wrath of God poured out upon him. The anger of God. Such love. You know, wrath and love are not contradictory. <laughs> God shows his love by pouring out his wrath upon his own son. He shows his love for us. Ephesians 5.2 Christ, pretty beautiful. I think you can see Leviticus in Ephesians 5 verse 2. Christ loved us, gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. <coughs> so you see here, the sacrifices of the Old Testament, salt of the salt, fulfilled in Christ. Do we need to salt our sacrifices today? No. Because in Christ, we are the sacrifices today. Not the animals of the Old Testament, but the people of God, the believers, the followers of Jesus, they are the sacrifices, not the animals, right, which pointed to Jesus, but now through faith in Jesus, we are the sacrifices. Ouch! That's painful. Yes, to be a believer in Jesus means you're willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of heaven, for the sake of life, your time, your money, your things, your house, your property, everything in the service of Christ. Totally consumed. Right? That's what sacrifice is. God wants a totally consumed. Not in part. Doesn't say you can have, God, you can have 50% of me, but I'm going to keep 50% for myself. That's not a salty Christian. That's not even a Christian. A Christian, by definition, by definition is one who gives himself wholly to the Lord. Right? A consumed sacrifice. Because Christ was consumed in our place. That's why God accepts that sacrifice. Because Christ was consumed, and therefore we can willingly give ourselves 100% as willing sacrifice to the Lord. That's how it applies today. We are sacrificed. And you know, the good news, Christ, our sacrifice, he's the salt in us. It's the gospel in us. To all who believe in Christ. That's amazing. Salted sacrifices. Is that our first point? Salty sacrifices. We are the sacrifices today. Salted in Christ. Christ salts us with his salvation promises. All that he gained for me. And I, I can, by the grace of God, give my life totally to him. Because I belong to him. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I belong... I belong to him, body and soul, in life and in death, total. Don't keep, don't keep 1% for yourself. Never, never. Because if you do, it's time to hack it off. It's time to cut it off, right? And then sometimes the Lord uses fire and refining purposes in our life in order for us to hack those things off, right? This is the amazing thing of God's grace. You know, every sacrifice seasoned with salt. That's what verse 49 says. 
What's that mean? Every believer, every sacrifice, every believer is a sacrifice salted with salt. It must be totally consuming or it is worthless. Can you imagine? It's one or the other. Either it's all of you or it's none of you. It either all belongs to Christ or none of it belongs to Christ. Boy, we really, you see, the, the point of appreciating the, the sacrifice of Christ and what it cost him. This is no cost really for us when it comes down to it. Because look what he gained for us. What's that mean? To be totally belonging to him, body and soul. Mark 8, 34, that's where Jesus begins. It means taking up the cross of Christ. It means denying himself. That there's no more of self. Zero percent of self. 100% Christ. You know what that? It'll show and how we will love fellow believers. We want to nurture them. We want to encourage them. Rather than, as Jesus says, not causing them to stumble. 9 verse 42. Uh, it means this. It means willing to make the immediate, decisive cut with the sin that we so much love. The love of self. The love of whatever. We're going to make that cut. That's what it means to be salty. Salty sacrifices. Without it, there's no salt. There's no sacrifice. Just salt in name, Christians. In Christ through faith. What does Apostle Paul say? He says to the Romans, Roman believers, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Right? That's the difference between an Old Testament sacrifice, which was dead, and believers being sacrificed. They're living, truly living. The world is dead. But we are truly living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. My life belongs to him. That's what Jesus is saying. Every sacrifice, every sacrifice will be salted with salt. Everything belongs to him. My time, my money, my work, my relationships. It's all in service to him. Don't hold anything back. It's dangerous. Believers today are living sacrifices seasoned with salt. Just like the Old Testament sacrifice. Do you have that image? <laughs> the consuming fire? <laughs> right? Now fulfilled in Christ. And now we offer our sacrifices to the Lord. Following Jesus will also mean that God uses fiery trials in our lives. Look at 1 Peter 4. It means he uses tests. He uses temptations. Right? Or a decisive and immediate hacking off of the hand or the foot. Or the gouging of the eye. He uses those things so that we may be enabled to be the living sacrifices that he wants us to be for him. Sweet smelling to the Lord. Sin stinks. It stinks to God. And God uses these things to refine us and to purify us. In Christ, of course. Through faith in Christ. 
It's all his work. He uses these things to help us grow in our love for one another, our love for him, to grow in his grace, and to preserve us in our relationship with him. Well, he wants us to enable us to become more and more to be that salty sacrifice for himself, for him. Sacrificing, when you think of sacrifice, it's painful, it's humbling, it can be frustrating, it hurts. But that's only one side of it. Look at the other side from God's perspective. It's a sweet smelling. God is pleased. For believers that is in Christ, that sacrifice whereby he purifies us is pleasing to the Lord. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 speaks of our offerings as spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, the believer sees more. He also experiences the joy in it. I'm just struck by the voice of the martyrs this morning, the top part where it says, Persecution is part of the Christian life. So it is my honor if I can experience part of the Christian life. This is written by a Middle Eastern Christian. It's my honor if I can experience part of that of the Christian life. Honor? Honor. What a statement of faith. Seasoning with fire. Each and every believer is a what was it? Salty sacrifice. Totally consumed in the service of the Lord. And no matter what we do, but our lives in his service. Preserved through fire. He preserves us, you could say, from falling apart. He preserves us so that we don't go into endless decay with sin in our lives. Boy, if God, if God didn't purify us through fires, we would just sort of just wander away from him. Sin would just take over. The decay and the rot would just continue to, to extend through our whole bodies and through our souls. Praise God for his love and for his grace that he keeps us from decay and that he keeps us from becoming tasteless. He builds us up, right, so that the flavor of Christ may be in us. Living as salty sacrifices, preserved, and that brings us to the second point. What's the second point? Salty flavor. You could say tasty believers. Tasty sacrifices. So there's something of a winsomeness. Right? When salt enhances flavor in the food, right? It adds flavor to food. Likewise, in the world, um, believers become a salting or a flavoring influence um, around them. Salt is good. That's where Jesus begins in verse 50. Salt is good. Yeah, it preserves food. It brings out flavor, makes the food tasty. And that's what Jesus brings out here, particularly the tastiness, the enhancing of the flavor of his kingdom citizens, of believers in Christ. The savoring fluence of salt here is a picture of the gospel. The good news of salvation in you. Right? It's the gospel. It's Christ. The salt in us. In Christ's followers. And like salt, it should permeate our whole being, our whole life, body and soul, our time, our relationships, our work as living sacrifices. 
Salt is good, says Jesus. Matter of fact, it's amazing. Jesus, who saved us by his blood, he calls his people the salt of the earth kind of people. What a rank. There's no higher position in all the world than being the salt of the earth. Because in the earth, you're not going to find it. It's believers, that's their rank. That's their status. Salt of the earth. Christians. Salt is good. And you know, you think about it, the influence we have on someone at work or in our relationships with others or in our family circle, social circle, you know, those kind of relationships might take days, might take years to have its full impact felt. Yet we may never come to know in our lifetime how our kind words, our kind words to a nurse or a Christian character in the workplace or gestures of kindness may impact someone. You know, it may be that someone comes to Christ for salvation through our salty influence, through tasty salt. And you think about it, the place of Hope Academy, very, very special place in this community, Hope Academy. It's assaulting influence, not only in the world of education, I'm going to say godless education, because it's without God all around in the other schools. But this is assaulting influence in the neighborhood and also on the families that send their children to Hope Academy. That's just one example of how God permeates, adds flavor in the community through us. Salt is good. Salty Christians hold back decay. Christ in us, we want to hold back the decay with the truth of God's word in society while bringing life and flavor and vitality. You know what the church does? The church doesn't accept what the world says. The church pushes back. It, what do you say, the gates of hell shall never be able to avail against it? No, the church goes and advances. It conquers. That's what it's tended to do as a salting influence. Tasty salt. Tasty flavor. It doesn't, it, it, it pushes back on society. It doesn't allow society to determine what it thinks, but it tells society what it should think. Right? That's the, the taste of it. And yet, when the church does that, salt stings. It does. It stings open wounds. Open wounds caused by sin. And it may scream and yell back at us. Salt is not sugar. Salt is not sweet. But it leaves us permanent effect. It improves the taste. It makes the world a better place. Salt is good. Next thing Jesus says is basically a warning to us thinking of the grand vision of the kingdom and its gospel influence. He warns the church that it does not lose its salt-like quality. Verse 50. If the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? How can you possibly re-salt salt. Ever try that? Can't. How can you make it tasty again? It's worthless. Good for nothing. Saltless salt. 
Okay, salt that is not salt. What's that a picture of? It's a picture of the church blending in with the agendas of society around us so that nobody sees the difference anymore between the church and the world. It's like a chameleon. You know what a chameleon is, right? A chameleon is an animal that blends with its surroundings. If the surroundings are green, then its color changes green. And if it's brown, it blends with the brown surroundings by becoming brown. Well, the society that pushes back against the church, and if the church accepts the ideas of society, I'm talking about ideas that are contrary to God's word, it becomes saltless. Saltless. It's the kind of church that adapts, compromises, is diluted. It sacrifices the truth of God's word. It sacrifices Christ. It gives up Christ for the accepted ideas of society. Think of all the gender-inclusive nonsense and the churches that are accepting it. They've lost their salt. They're no longer salty. Will we push back? Will we give clear witness? Will we change our pronouns? No. Not if we want to remain salty. Society demands alternative lifestyles. But as salty Christians, we don't. Society says Jesus is not the only way, the only truth in life. But we must push back and say, yes, he is the only way. He is the only truth. He's the only life. You know what? A saltless church, saltless believers are like, like this. All, I mean, all lines become blurred. There's no difference between darkness and light anymore. No difference between truth and falsehood. No difference between what's right and wrong. Everything becomes gray because everything is okay. But ultimately, it's a turning away from Christ and from following his path. And when a church gives up its own identity, its privileged status of being salt of the earth, it has no gospel to offer anymore, even to those of alternative lifestyles. We, 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 were, one, we were once some of those kind of people. People came to us with the gospel. Praise God that they did so. Will we give up the gospel? No. When a church gives up its salt, there's no offer of salvation in Christ anymore. There's no gospel of repentance. There's no gospel of forgiveness in Christ anymore. There's no call to faith. Because after all, there's no difference between the church and the world. Christ has created a line. God has created a line between the church and the world. And the church is called to be a salty influence. Tasty. That's Christ's intent. Not to make... I mean, the world sometimes gets angry, gets upset by the sting of salt, but ultimately, it's for the better of society. Yes, Jesus says in 5.13, for like that, it is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. What an awful thing, to be thrown out and be trodden under by men. 
Jesus even says in Luke 14, it's not even fit for a manure pile. Can you imagine? Wow. Applies to us in other little ways too. You know, sometimes a believer says, I don't pay my HST. How is that being salt-like? Tell me. How is that being salt-like? Or lying and cheating your way through life to government agencies and social programs and insurance businesses and bureaus. How is that being salt-like? How often or how does that show sacrifice to Jesus, your love to Jesus and for his gospel? Oh, the Lord would call us to repent of those things so that we may become salty believers again. That we may have that strong influence, permeation in our society. Unsalty salt is worthless. So many say they believe in Jesus, but they're just salt and name only. They cause new believers to stumble because new believers do the same things they do. They cause themselves to stumble. Verse 43. Well, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Says Jesus. A salty Christian hacks it off because he treasures his life in Christ. Don't lose your flavor. That's what Jesus is saying here. Also, he says that to us as a congregation. Don't lose your flavor. Hold on to it. Otherwise, you'll be thrown out. And that's why the last part of verse 50, Jesus exhorts his disciples to guard, protect it. Protect your salt-like quality. Come Sunday by Sunday to listen to the word of God. That's one way that Jesus protects it and guards it. Look at verse 50. Have salt in yourselves, he says, and have peace with one another. The two are related. When we have salt in ourselves, that's the way of peace. <laughs> True peace in Jesus Christ. But how special this is. God's position of his church in the world. Imagine this. All the preserving power of earth is stored in one little flock of God. The church. It's really, really important that we guard it. Guard that salt-like quality among ourselves as a congregation. Yeah, for the growth of his body, for the glory of God, and for the salvation of our souls. You think of our own context, in this entire neighborhood, how many congregations are there? Two, maybe? The one that meets here before us? And this one? Are there any others? maybe that we're not aware of but you know God has placed us here to be that salt like flavor in the community and that is so important that we ourselves are salt like that's where it begins to be salt like in the community is that we be salt like ourselves that's why Jesus says to the disciples have salt in yourselves <laughs> In order to be a salting taste, we need to have salt in ourselves. Moments earlier, Jesus was rebuking his disciples for arguing about who was the greatest. That's not salt-like. That's the world thinking. The world thinks status, rank, importance. Sorry, that's not salt-like. Jesus confronts that. This is the world's way of thinking. 
Today our society defines our usefulness by rank or worth. And so if you're lying in the hospital bed, lying paralyzed, society says you have no worth anymore. You administer doctor death and dispose of the person. If you're old, you're mentally handicapped, we can dispose of you. Your worth in the world is tied up in how useful you are to society. It's simply by rank and status. That's all it is. That's all the world offers. And they jostle and fight for importance, for rank and for status. That's what the world does. There's no, it's, it's bland. It's tasteless. It's yucky. But think back to Jesus' words to his disciples when he took a little child in his arms. Having salt in yourselves is serving little ones. Sacrificing yourself for them. That's, that's the true status of salt. Not looking out for self, but looking out for the other. That's true salt. You know, looking after those who are insignificant or lowly, brothers and sisters in the faith, putting others before yourself, that's what really brings out the taste. That's what really brings out the flavor of a new life in Christ in the community around us. They see a difference. This is how they love each other. This is how they serve one another. You know, it may be serving one who is physically or mentally handicapped. It may be the aged. It may be one in the final stages of cancer or one who is weak. Or maybe even one who is struggling in their new faith. The salt-like quality of the care, the love, the concern brings flavor. Think of how many nurses and doctors have not been won over to Christ because they see that salt-like influence in their visits with patients in the hospital. Having salt within yourself shows and sacrificing yourself for the sake of Christ. Forgiving others, showing kindness, putting others before yourself and myself. Shows in peace and joy within the family of Christ. Winsome, flavoring, tasty. This willingness really is the salt of God's grace in us. Isn't that beautiful? It's God's grace that we have this salt in ourselves. Have salt in yourselves, says Jesus. And you know the result of that? The fruit of that is peace. Have peace with one another. That's the power of the gospel of salt, you could say. The power of the gospel of the risen Jesus and the life of the family of believers. So distinct from the world. This is the savoring influence of of the salt of the gospel, which is peace. By the way, it even changes the way we talk with one another. Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. See the powerful effect of the salt of the gospel? It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we speak. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, 21, how salt preserves us from corrupt talk. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. That's not salt. This is the powerful effect of salt. It preserves us from that. In conclusion, yeah, what a, what a great calling God has given to us to be salty Christians in this world. There is no higher rank 
no higher status than to be set in this world as the salt of the earth people with a salt which, which, which is having Christ in us. The salt in us. Yes, salty sacrifices. What is a salty Christian? It's one who is a salty sacrifice and a salty flavor. Humbling, isn't it? But powerful. It means nothing of self. It means everything of Christ. That's tasty. In a tasteless, decaying world. From where do we receive the strength to be salty? From Christ. By going to Christ. Daily going to Christ. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. Yes, God calls us. It's a calling. It's a call to every believer to be salty. But he also freely gives his grace through Jesus by the power of the Spirit to have that salt in ourselves. And that's why he commands it. Have salt in yourselves. <laughs> because it's within reach of every believer. We have it by faith in Christ. Be filled with the gospel. Let us grow in it. Let us continue to grow in it. Let it permeate your whole life. All for the growth of this church in this community and for the glory of God's name. Amen.